You're listening to episode 186 of Mid-America Reformed Seminary's Roundtable Podcast. In this broadcast, the faculty of Mid-America discuss theology and cultural issues from a Reformed perspective. I'm Jared Luchibor, Director of Marketing. Thank you for tuning in. In today's episode, we hand the reins over to Dr. Andrew Compton, who will guide us through a conversation with Mid-America alumnus Reverend Tim McClymans. As Dr. Compton looks at this topic with Reverend McClymans, we're going to understand and explore how these dedicated individuals provide invaluable support, solace, and spiritual guidance to employees amidst the challenges of the workplace. Take a listen to their conversation. My name is Andrew Compton. I teach Old Testament here at Mid-America Reformed Seminary, and we are continuing our series of chaplaincy ministries. And this afternoon, I'm excited to have a friend of mine, uh, Reverend Tim McClymans, join us from Christ Covenant OPC in Sheridan, Indiana. Uh, Reverend McClymans is a 2007 graduate of Mid-America Reformed Seminary. And uh, of course, the the kind of neat connection we have is, even though I didn't go to Mid-America, I also graduated in 2007. And so that that gives us a degree of solidarity as the the, those who were so lucky to graduate in 2007 from seminary. There's a cadre of us around the world who, who take that pride very seriously. No, but anyway. Amen. Yeah, but no, thank you for joining us, brother. And, um, of course, we're across the time zone, even though we're in the same state. Yep. So it's kind yep. of a funny situation we have here. But how long have you been at, at Christ Covenant? I've been at Christ Covenant for three and a half years. Okay. So okay. fall of 2019. Wow. Yep. No, and I've been able to come down at least once. I know once I got thwarted, but I was able to enjoy worshiping with the uh, the good folks down in Sheridan. And mm-hmm. uh, yep. really neat. Um, and we've crossed yep, paths. They enjoyed, they, and, they enjoyed having you, and they okay. love uh, they love Mid America Reform Seminary, as does their pastor. So That's I'm it. always trying to uh, you know when I get the opportunity to go on vacation to to call call the seminary and bring yeah. one of you guys down. So we always love to have you come visit us. And I yep. think that the historically the church has had some connection with Mid America, right? Was was when it became an OPC church was part of that as the pastor at the time was even taking some classes up here, becoming reformed. Right, right. Mark Melton, mm-hmm. yeah, and he was. I was. Um, I was there when he was finishing up his studies as well. Okay, and you know, our our we took different paths and came back. You know, came back together after a couple of years. You oh, know, in wow. a crazy way that no one ever expected. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's neat to hear those kind of stories and, and just yep. neat when there's a kind of a relationship between the seminary and a particular church that we've been able to um, just see those those two organizations benefit from each other and help yeah. each other in ways. Yeah. So Amen. Well, it's neat to talk today about business and corporate chaplaincy. You have experience in that. We've had some discussions already about prison chaplaincy that I think a lot of our listeners are, are maybe used to, hospital chaplaincy, military chaplaincy. Did I miss some or have we done military yet? No, Jared's telling me no. But corporate and business, I think that would surprise a number of uh, people in our churches and our circles that there is such a thing. What? How did you get involved with this? And can, can you tell us more about what you did uh, in in corporate chaplaincy, and and maybe even kind of explore expand our imaginations even beyond what you did to things you know of that other other chaplains have done in that sort of venue. Yes, well, it was um, it was it's quite the story. I mean, I I came to Mid America, you know, at, at age forty. <laughs> you know, uh, it had taken me a long, long time to really grab hold of 
you know, that the Lord was grabbing a hold of me and sending me, you know, in, in, into the pastoral ministry, just got into my first ministry. And I found out, we found out that my my then wife, Nancy, whom many at the mm. seminary will, will remember, um, had cancer. Eventually, mm. she went to be with the Lord in 2014. And, and so I was there uh, in Virginia at an OPC for almost four years. Um, we made the decision to to resign okay. and go to Northwest Arkansas where family lived. And it was there uh, that uh, while my wife was receiving care, um, I I had taken up running and I got involved in a 5K. And okay. this guy's literally chasing me at the end. And I'm, you know, I'm not that fast, but, you know, male pride. I was like, I'm going to beat that one guy. <laughs> and at the end, you know, we're huffing and puffing. He goes, good job. You know, we got to talking about, you know, our, our lives. And he worked for this company that had a ch- had chaplains. Huh. And I said, what in the world is that? A chaplain at a, at a workplace, at a, at, a, at a corporation, a secular corporation? Because I'd, I'd spent 16 years in the corporate world. Okay. And, you know, that's those two things, faith and the workplace, were not encouraged to go together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so talking to this guy opened my eyes to this and I started looking because I, I needed work. I was okay. taking care of my wife and my son, but I, I needed some, I needed employment pretty sure, soon. Sure. And, uh, in God's grace, I, I went online and looked up corporate chaplaincy and bing, you know, corporate chaplains of America. And huh. that's you know, opening Fayetteville, Arkansas. And that's where I lived at the time. And so that is how, you know, uh, kind of chaplaincy came out for me. Sure. And, and so uh, that is how I got involved in it. And it became a wonderful way because uh, at first the schedules, you know, it was, it was very uh, flexible and I had a lot of time to care for my wife and be there for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on call 24 seven, but I didn't have to be somewhere sitting in an office eight to five. Sure. Yeah. That's, that, that was sort of the genesis of it. Anyway. Interesting. What kind of what was the size of the company you you got involved in, and so what type so of company corporate, even? So so the interesting thing is, corporate chaplains of America was who was my employer. Oh okay okay. And and what they do is they have a whole department that goes and researches and and tries to find ministry you know, workplaces that are that are going to be that are going to be mission or mission uh, locations. For them to send chaplains to, and then they go about recruiting chaplains from various, you know, various denominations, not okay. not just Reformed. So yeah, yeah. I was one of the few, probably Reformed and Presbyterian ministers that was that was doing that. And so there were several companies uh, that I um, that that were in our area, um, and I think at that point they were they were capping it. You had like a thousand employees could be cobbled together from five companies. It could be one big company okay. uh, that you serve, but, but a thousand employees was your full-time. Uh, okay. You were considered a full-time chaplain, but below that you were, you were part-time. Okay. Now what would it look like then? Now it sounds like you had multi-sites that you would go to. Yep. I, I yep. know it, you, you can't really answer the question. What would an average day look like? But what was, what were some ways in which you had ministry opportunities in those various sites that would differ from say, even what you have now as a, as a pastor at a local church where, yeah, sure. I mean, and I, I had this too, where you'd, you'd go out and have lunch with somebody in your congregation as they took their lunch break. But, but how was it, how were some of those opportunities different in a way? What, what would, a sure. what, what were some of the ways in which your, a, a day of, of ministerial labors would look like? 
Yeah, that's that's a great question um, because one of the biggest things is that you know when you're a pastor, like a solo pastor of a church, the people that come there usually are people that want to be there. Mm-hmm. They come looking for seeking spiritual input, but when people go to work, they're going to work, and they're not expecting some guy to come around their cubicle. And, you know, ask them how they're doing. Hmm. And so probably the biggest challenge is to to overcome barriers of what not only your own internal fears, you know, like what are these people going to think of me? Hmm. But but how do I step in to this place seamlessly and not distract them from their work, but also do what the their 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 leaders have hired and contracted with us to do that is be there for them for spiritual input and so mm-hmm. you're you're constantly building relationships you're constantly learning how to walk into a place and read the temperature of the room um if someone's on the phone and it's pretty clear they're doing making you know cutting a deal you know you don't step in and sit down on their <laughs> in their chair and go you know now you know can we talk now time to be spiritual Uh, buddy (laughs) exactly Uh, so it's it's learning learning to get in there and and one of the things that i really appreciate about about the agency that i work for is that they required seven plus years in the business world for for their chaplains Hmm. but you also had to have some type of commissioning um from your church and you had to have either a four-year bible degree or or a seminary degree okay so you had to have some savvy in the workplace, but they wanted you to know the Bible and be able to minister Christ to people. But but yeah, it was it was a challenge of getting in there and being there, being available, but not being the whole show. It's, when when you didn't know what people if people were going to want you there or not. Well, and it is it is interesting what you're describing because we've talked with hospital chaplains, prison chaplains, and in those settings, here is a a, a group of people. In the prison setting, they've they've sort of hit rock bottom in some ways. In the hospital setting, most of the people you're ministering to are things are not going well physically for them, and there, there's in some ways something of a receptive soil. Maybe not right. as often the case, but here's something that that I find fascinating is that there's an increasing recognition among even employers that employees are not just sort of bio robots you know, who are, exactly. who are who are doing work for them. They're, they're, they're viewing their employees in holistic ways. So that, yeah. that it's got to be kind of interesting that you you have the support of of higher-ups who recognize that employees need a, a holistic atmosphere to work well, but maybe employees go back and forth about how much they think they, how holistic they feel. <laughs> I mean, how did, yeah, how yeah. would you kind of, yeah. What did that look like to even, even get to know people and the kinds of challenges that employees were facing in a corporate setting? So I think one thing that really is helpful, number one, is just this sounds really simple and basic, but it's it's just to be a real, authentic human individual. Mm-hmm. When you go there, you don't you don't put on religious airs and that's well you shouldn't do that anywhere. You shouldn't do that yeah, in sure. pastoral ministry. You should just be who you are. Right, right. You know, be who God made you to be. And people recognize that type of, I mean, I hate to say authenticity because everybody uses that as the buzzword, but honestly, it's 
people recognize it. You know, people have savvy. They know, okay, this guy's trying to put on, this guy's trying to steer me to a conversation. Mm. Or, no, this guy just, he likes me. And he just, he just wants to know, you know, why did I, why did I pick purple for my new hair color? You know, <laughs> why did I, you know, and you notice, so then you notice things about people and you genuinely mm. learn to enjoy people and love talking to them. And so I would come in, you know, I would pray, but I would just walk in and be, just let it happen. Let mm. the Lord lead. And if, if, if somebody looked like they're having a bad day and they kind of looked like they were open, I would say, oh, you doing all right today? You know, and sometimes there'd be, no, that's just my, my focused look. You know, mm. when I'm having a problem at work, I'm figuring it out. And sometimes it'd be like, okay, here come the tears, mm. you know? Yeah. You know, something, you know, my mom just got sick and, you know, we're afraid, you know, and, and, um, and the other thing was knowing the balance People on people. I wasn't afraid to share my story of what I was going through with hmm. with my wife's illness. Yeah, and I think that that gave some street cred for me. That was you know for people like oh this guy's he's suffering his wife's suffering, but here he is he's he's in my cubicle and he's smiling hmm. and he and he wants to know how I'm doing mm-hmm. and there must hmm what's going on, and so just being that genuine in the moment you know this is what what's going on in my life. Just like you do for your neighbor, you know, your neighbor's lawnmower doesn't work and you're, you're good with lawnmowers. You're like, Hey Jim, can I help you with the lawnmower? And who knows where that's going to lead. Mm-hmm. What are, can you give any, I mean, examples, of course, keep things, you know, as, as generic as yeah. you like, but I mean, what, what were some, some, I don't know if breakthroughs is the right words. Some, what, what are some experiences you had where there were just really, uh, really neat, really exciting ministry opportunities that took place. Yeah. Yeah. There were, there were, there were a lot, uh, very interesting things. Um, one of the things that, that really comes to my mind is that, um, I remember there were two guys and, um, they, uh, there, there, there are a lot of Hispanic workers Mm -hmm. in this one particular place and two guys in particular, had a kind, they were sort of macho, uh, you know, never smile, hardworking factory laborers. Okay. And um, those guys would either ignore me, uh, walk on the other side of the, the aisle, or glare at me. Okay. Uh, and that went on for a couple of years. Um, finally, finally, I made breakthroughs just by patient, you know, being that guy that, you know, showed up. Every day, every week, once a week for five, you know, for five or six years and just smiled at them no matter what, what they did. Had some breakthroughs with, you know, one guy, uh, his family back in Mexico just was falling apart. Hmm. And finally he was, he was like, you know, how can you help? Can you pray for me? Hmm. You know, and that, that led to a deepening friendship and a relationship. Another guy, you know, the same type of thing. Um, and it's usually when something goes wrong, mm-hmm. they're like, well, Maybe I'll try the chaplain. And all those years of just saying hi, you know, kind of, you know, just there was there were these breakthrough moments and um, there was a friendship. And one guy, you know, was 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 asking, well, okay, what does the Bible mean by this? You know, and it led to opportunities to share the gospel. Um, Hmm. Another guy was ready to lose his job. He was a good worker, but they wanted to change his um, change his workstation and take his. uh, Take his guys that he had trained and 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 cross train them. To him, that was taking away his turf, his domain, mm. and.
and it led to problems with 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 his boss. Finally, they gave him an alternative because he wasn't showing up to work, and oh, wow. they said, "You talk to the chaplain, or you're done." Well, we sat down, a couple of hours conversation, and he just unloaded, and I was able to go back and communicate to the employee. You know, this is this is why this this seems little to you, but to him, this is his world. This is the thing that he has made. You know that these guys are his team, they're his homies, and you know it's it's like you're 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 taking my family away from me. That's how it how it meant to him, and you know, he's able to keep his job. And you know, I, I can't say that I, I mean, he, he did the hard work. You know, he came and sat down with the chaplain, but it facilitated a conversation. And, you know, there are, there are lots of other stories, but, but those are just two things, you know, where, hmm. yeah, I felt like, okay, I was, I was, I was able to, to kind of make a difference there. It's neat that even hearing that you're able to, in that sense, I, I wondered if you would find yourself in situations where you're running, I don't know if the right word is running interference, but at least yeah. running communication back and forth. You know, and, and with permission, always yeah. with permission. That's okay. the key between, mm-hmm. you know, always honoring that confidentiality. Got it. Got it. Sure. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Well, and, and I've been in my own, um, in some of my doctoral work, I, I, I wound up learning about vocational psychology, which is just a, it's a subdiscipline, but it's why we have even career counseling in, you know, we're, that's the kind of thing that we're used to seeing even in Christian high schools is you have a career counselor of some kind, you know, all that's born out of a sense of, of trying to understand how people think about their work. But I was amazed to see that, so many segments of of uh, development departments or, or career advancement departments, even in corporations, are using not only psychological observations, but they they tap into the language of calling. And even mm-hmm. if even if it's an organization that isn't Christian in any sense or isn't religious, completely secular, they're very comfortable using the language of calling because it, it's recognized that humans find meaning in their work i mean especially the story you just told like yeah it's it's not simply a petty thing here's a guy necessary it could of course be that the guy's just being cocky but but no most people are, are recognizing these days that people identify with their work and find meaning in their work in pretty profound ways so that understanding those dynamics mm-hmm. um on the one hand, it, it helps from a merely a pragmatic managerial side of things, but it also taps into something that we can make sense of because we believe that God created all things and he created humans and he gave them a work mandate, fill the earth and subdue it. And that we're right. sort of, we're intended to work and find our work as something related to our, our essence as human beings made in God's image. Yeah, no, that that's 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 good stuff. I found that, um, I mean, this guy, I, if we had crossed on the street, you know, I might have been scared of him. <laughs> I mean, the way you know the, the chains and the and the tattoos, and, yep. you know. But here we were put together, you know, this this you know seminary graduate guy, you know, who listens to Bach and you know <laughs> and you know loves classical music and fine coffee and all, you know. And here we're sitting together in this conference room with one another, and then after that. You know, he didn't hear me judge him. He mm-hmm. didn't hear me say, well, you know, you're being a bad employee. He heard somebody there to listen and to go, wow, you know, that's that's pretty cool mm-hmm. that you have that connection with the guys you trained, you know. And you know what? Your your company recognizes how well you do and how seriously you take your job. And he was able to feel that pride. Okay, they appreciate me 
but they want to give my other guys other skills and cross train them, mm. you know, and he got some understanding and they got some understanding and it was sort of the, sort of the peacemaking role, but yeah, yeah. you're right. It was honored that in that, that innate des- you know, desire and calling that we have as image bearers um, to work, work hard, pursue a calling. Mm-hmm. It's a rapport building when you're a corporate chaplain to try to make sure people realize, Hey, this guy isn't going to come in and, and throw the Bible at me. Mm-hmm. He's going to respect my work atmosphere but over time i'm going to find out he's approachable because he's not going to invade my space he's going to honor that space you know all, so it's all about permission hmm. um to share the gospel you know but but that was the goal it was ultimately to share the gospel if god gave the opportunity how can the broader christian community how can churches how can how can even christian business owners get involved in corporate chaplaincy efforts hmm. yeah that's a that's a good question uh, I think we were chatting earlier, you know, I, I hadn't even heard of such a thing and most people haven't heard of such a thing. And when I would tell people what I, what I do, um, when I would visit, you know, just would go to church, huh, really corporate chaplaincy, never heard of it. So, so first of all, we can talk about it. I love the fact that you guys are doing this podcast and are, and, and, and included corporate chaplaincy. So just speaking about it, you know, obviously educating our churches. Um, most people don't know it exists, but I think I think what it's born out of is having a burden for the American workplace and seeing it as a mission field. Hmm. Not just you know, we're used to we're used to in the reformed faith going everything that we do, we are to do to the glory of God, whether I eat, whether I drink, whether I'm you know taking care of the baby or cutting the lawn, or whether I'm you know, doing high finance and brokerage deals, you know, whatever I do is my calling. I'm to do it for God's glory if I'm a Christian. But to also see it as a mission field, as a way to um, to find, to bring the life saving good news of Jesus Christ uh, to this to this workplace. And and so, you know, talking to, for example, Christian entrepreneurs in your churches um, asking them how do they care uh, for for their leaders uh, or or for their employees. Um, a lot of employee, a, a lot of employ, Christian employers have this burden for their employees, but you know they have a business to run too, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and sometimes it's just not going to be the best venue for for your boss to hear about your problems with your wife uh, or or your your, your addiction problem. But if there's someone else in there, so so churches, you know, how can churches get involved in this? You know, um, I was trying to brainstorm this. You know, non-church kingdom ministries are leading the way right now, hmm. um, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Sure, uh, sure, sure. But there might be there might there might be churches doing this kind of thing, and I'm not aware of it. But I don't see why a congregation or a presbytery or a denomination couldn't see this as a mission field, couldn't ordain men specifically. To, as evangelists to do this, you know, we are, we do like to think in terms of church planting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I can see where there might be some tension there with some presbyteries, you know, where this is just sending someone to evangelize. Uh, but for example, I think the PCA, uh, they have reformed university fellowship that focuses on campuses. I don't know what kind of churches get planted out of that, but a lot of young people get the gospel ministered to them um, through that way. Uh, building here's another building relationships with chaplains in their area that they know, mm. um, so that those employees can 
or, or rather those 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 chaplains who minister to the employees in those companies can feed employees to churches so that they can get discipled and yeah. learn more about Christ yeah. in a in a churchly context. And then the, the final the final thing I wanted to say there on this was uh, where I used to live in Northwest Arkansas, there was an organization called Work Matters. And my understanding is it started as a church ministry, but now they serve to facilitate the networking of Christian business people through conferences. They, they'll, they'll bring in top-name Christian speakers, you know, CEOs of big companies um, to give talks, particularly about integrating faith in the workplace. And you can tag into that as a pastor or maybe you know a pastor and some elders um, can go and tag up you can get a table at one of those places you can bring entrepreneurs from your church and you can sit down and then you can meet people and you can learn about how can we um, network with other people because because I don't you know b- besides that I'm not really sure um, I don't know of other churches uh, in the reformed world that have chaplain ministries beyond you might what you might think of the traditional hospital, or, um, you know, or, or police or fire, military. Yeah. Yeah, Wow. And, and, and even something we were talking about earlier, I mean, there, there's on the secular side of things, they're seeing the spiritual implications of work, but even on the Christian side of things, there's been a, just a burgeoning of books in recent years on work. Tim Mm -hmm. Keller has a book, uh, every good endeavor, and, and one of the interesting chapters even in that book is, uh, uh, I think it's called like, Why Work is Hard, right? We live in a fallen world and this, even the yeah. workplace uh, is a place where there's, uh, there's rebellion, there's brokenness, there's hurt, there's meaninglessness. It's uh, granted the days of the industrial revolution, you know, where, where, where the, uh, the jungle, <laughs> Upton Sinclair's book, you know, of, of, you know, charting the 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 horrible abuses of of the industrial revolution in some ways. Admittedly, a lot of that's gone. We have OSHA. We have groups that are that are trying to ensure a healthier workplace. But the curse is still at work, and there's a lot of people mm. punching the clock nine to five who yeah. are just empty. And yeah. what a what an amazing opportunity to bring the meaning generating worldview to bear in a place that needs it so bad. And and I'm glad you mentioned church planting. We, of course, we, we see the need for it. We need gospel, gospel preaching. Our, our Center for Missions and Evangelism here is trying to equip churches in evangelism, equip them in church planting. But I'm struck, too, that a lot of guys are just not, they're, they're just not um, gifted to be very effective church planters. Mm. Where does that put them? But they are equipped and gifted in other kinds of venues as well. And and this is just such a, a this has kind of opened my eyes to see a a way in which men who have a heart for sharing Christ, a heart for ministering the gospel, um, here's another venue where uh, where they may indeed have gifts that mm. would be um, appreciated, yes. That would be suitable, yes, but are so needed. You know, a, yeah. a, a way to bring the the true view of the world, the true story of the world, where yes, life is hard, yes, work is hard, but work is valuable, and God is deriving glory for Himself, and He's bringing in His 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 sheep, even in these kinds of relationships. 
Mm. Yeah, people people are uh, spending so much time working, and they may not in our age be so inclined to come to church. But if, and I know this is a little cliche again, but mm-hmm. if church comes to them, you know, if there's if there's an emissary that comes to their workplace, a place where they're comfortable and they're feeling like they're on top, you know, they're doing their thing that they know how to do. That's another inroad. It might take time. It might take a couple of years, but something's going to happen in their life. And that chaplain is going to be there to be a sounding board and perhaps in God's timing and God's marvelous providence, be able to share the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ for that person. Very cool. Wow. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for sharing this. I, I hope our listeners have have found this as thrilling as I have. I mean, just the idea mm-hmm. of, 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 of the workplace, even, yeah. even the workplace is, is yet another, uh, another field, a mission field, uh, yeah. white with harvest, white for the harvest, yeah, amen. Uh, may God send uh, laborers there. Thank you, brother. We've we've uh, had a great time. Yeah, yeah. It's been a pleasure. It's been great. Next week, we'll begin an important three-part series on pastoral visitations. We'll hear from Reverend Paul Ipema on ministering to three different groups of people you may find in your church: the elderly, troubled youth, and the sick and dying. Understanding how to compassionately support these groups through times of hardship is critical for anyone pursuing ministry, even for those in the pew seeking to be the hands and feet of Jesus to their fellow brother or sister. Make sure you tune in next time on Roundtable. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and sharing it with friends or family. Your support helps us bring more engaging content to your ears and helps us foster not just a community of lifelong learners, but thoughtful practitioners. I'm Jared Luchbor. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.